0: Hello and welcome to our podcast. We hope it encourages and inspires you. Please head to our website for more information on what is happening at Ashburton New Life or to get in touch. One of our team would love to talk to you. Here's today's message. Good morning. Wow, wasn't that worship just incredible? Can I ask if um, you can just join me in prayer before we begin? Father, we thank you for your presence here today, Lord. We thank you for your word. And Lord, as we, as I speak today, I pray that you would help qualify, quantify my words to bring glory to your name. Amen. Amen. right, so I am Nikki or Nicola, depending on how official things are between us. And I've been married to Clive for nearly 20 years this year. (laughs) And 15 years ago, on the very same weekend, we gave our lives to Jesus and were radically saved. And wow, that's been the best decision we've ever made for ourselves, um, for our marriage, and certainly for our family. So we've got three beautiful girls, Sarah, Megan, and Stacey. And three and a half years ago, we moved from South Africa to make New Zealand our home. One of the things we love about New Zealand is being able to travel and explore, and this past Christmas, we decided to take a last-minute trip over to the West Coast. We had never been there before, and so our search on Airbnb, um, there wasn't a lot um, given the time of year, but uh, we managed to find a, a rustic little holiday home that had once been an old school. So this school had been built in the 50s and serviced the community for many years, and it eventually closed at the end of the 80s. Um, And then the property was left unoccupied, abandoned and completely neglected for 20 years. Over that time, one of the school's first students, uh, who just had so many happy childhood memories there, saw that the property was up for sale, and so he decided to buy it back with the dream of restoring it and having it as a holiday home for his children and his grandchildren. Now, I don't have an actual historical picture of the schoolhouse, but I can imagine that after all this time, it would have looked a little something like this. The owner told me that, that blackberries had completely taken over the lawn, and ivy plants had enveloped the water tank. Mounds of dirt had covered the school tennis courts, and a tree had been left to grow wild through the veranda floor, breaking structure and foundation on its way. The owners lived in another district, and so you can imagine coming in every now and again to try restore and repairs taken them a number of years probably wonder, wondering why I'm telling you this story, our little holiday story. But if you are new here or you missed last week, we are going through a series called Parables, and uh, today we're going to be looking at the parable of the empty house. This is taken from Matthew 1243 to 45, and we'll have a read. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places, seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes out and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. This is how it will be with this wicked generation. So parables are a picture story spoken by Jesus, to the hearer, in the presence of others. And this particular parable was aimed at the religious Pharisees. So a Pharisee is a, a Jewish group of holy men who were the strictly, who strictly observed the laws of the Old Testament, to the letter. The New Testament, however, depicts these. Pharisees as opponents of Jesus and the early Christians and so a couple of verses back in Matthew from our parable we read that Jesus had been performing heaps of miracles and deliverances and healings and the Pharisees were observing because they knew that only one who had authority could do this so they accused Jesus of working for the prince of demons Jesus responds and asks, why would a kingdom divide itself? Why would I be working for the prince of demons by casting out demons? You see, the Pharisee did not want to admit or believe that Jesus had full authority, that he was in fact the son of God and that the kingdom of heaven had come. So let's have a look at what our empty house represents in this parable. Well, the house is our Pharisee, the human being, who was like a house, swept clean and put in order, but despite their religious laws and traditions, they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and so they were not filled with the Spirit, which left them empty, a house unoccupied. Jesus points out their emptiness further in Matthew, where he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. You see, we were not made to be empty beings, God created us to be indwelt something other than ourselves. We were created by God to be filled with His Holy Spirit. And if that hasn't been allowed to happen, well then that void will be filled with something or someone else. So what about the impure spirits and its more wicked friends? Well, this parable isn't meant to be a teaching on demonology. Certainly Jesus regards demons and demon possession as a very real phenomena. We see him deal with them and call them out multiple times in the Bible. We do need to acknowledge their existence. But for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, that battle has already been won. But let's look at the spirits in context of our parable. So Jesus uses the analogy of demon possession to warn the Pharisees and their generation that there are consequences to rejecting Jesus. Consequences to rejecting God's grace through His Son. That void that we mentioned earlier can and will be filled with either the Holy Spirit or the opposite of. Rotten fruits of a rotten spirit, impure spirits. The Pharisees had these wicked spirits take hold of their hearts. The spirit of self-righteousness had moved in and invited in legalism, and pride, and judgment, and arrogance. Nothing of the goodness of God. I think if we look at our own lives, some of us could have a house occupied by the wrong tenants. When Clive and I left South Africa, we felt on top of the world. We we felt we had heard God for a move. We were full of joy and zeal to hit the ground running that, man, we came down to earth with an almighty bump just three months after getting here when our first crisis started to unfold. Just as COVID began, Clive was suddenly told he had no job anymore. And his job was tied to his visa, and all of our visas were tied to his visa. And it was COVID. Everybody was locked down. Nobody was hiring and it didn't seem like there was anything to do. And the spirit of fear immediately moved into my heart and gripped it like a vice. We were in a foreign country with no support, no financial backing, no access to any benefits or COVID payments to see us through. We felt like we had been cast adrift. And the spirit of fear invited in anxiety, and sleeplessness and doubts. Weeks later, when Clive finally got hired, he still needed a visa in order to start working and start earning. But it was COVID, and the borders were shut, and Immigration New Zealand had all but stopped processing anything at that stage. We asked ourselves over and over where God was. Why was it taking so long? Why wasn't he answering? had we even heard him right. The spirit of abandonment and depression moved in. We were living off our life savings and worried that we would eventually be left penniless and then homeless. And we worried that we would ruin not only our own lives but the future of our children by making the decision to come here. Week became weeks, and months became months, and six months later, half a year, just one week before we ran out of money, our visa, class visa came through, and gosh, I was so relieved that I cried, and I, I thanked God. He had come through to us, through for us, but some of these things remained in my heart and needed to be dealt with. Maybe the story resonates with some of you here today. Maybe, maybe you've been praying for something over and over, and all you see is people around you getting blessed by the same thing, and disappointment, jealousy, discontentment starts knocking at the door. Maybe you've lost someone close to you through death or a breakup, and this has just led to confusion or hurt or bitterness making its way in. Maybe your season in the Lord has been so dry for so long that it's led to apathy or just idleness in Him or maybe just a tiny bit of small disbelief that He is even for you anymore. Things like judgment and pride and arrogance and hate and unforgiveness and fear are all things that can move into our hearts, leaving less and less room for Jesus. We are not alone. We can look at a similar story in the Bible, a story of David. You guys know David. David, the, the shepherd, the chosen one, David, the worshiper, David, the king, David, who's known as a man after God's own heart and who loved the Lord his whole life. We can find the story in 2 Samuel 11, but I'll just give a brief summary. So David is king and has been for many years, and he's gone off and fought and won many battles. But this particular battle, he decides he's going to stay home from war, sends his troops out, a very unusual decision for a king of those days. So one evening, he gets up from his bed, and he takes a stroll along the palace roof where he looks down and sees a beautiful woman bathing herself, and he lustfully fixates upon her. He starts making inquiries as to who she is, and even when he finds out that she is the married wife of Uriah, one of his faithful soldiers, he still summons her into his palace, into his bedroom, and commits adultery. Later on, Bathsheba sends word that she's pregnant and David thinks, okay, I've got a plan. He calls Uriah home from the battle in the hopes that it would be thought that Uriah has made his own wife pregnant, but Uriah, so faithful and loyal to his troops, does not cross the threshold of his home. He sleeps at the palace gates. David has to think quickly for another plan. He insists that Uriah stays for another day. Wines him, dines him, makes him drunk in the hopes that he'll run into his wife's arms. But again Uriah, too faithful and loyal, sleeps at the palace gates. David then decides to send him back to the battle with a message to the commander to place Uriah at the very front, the fiercest battle area, ultimately causing Uriah's death. We can see a little parallel in our stories here, because our parable says, a wicked spirit will round up even more wicked spirits to take root in our hearts. But for David, the spirit of lust had moved in, and with it invited adultery, cunning, lies, and murder. The fall of David really is one of the saddest accounts in scripture shows us the terrible consequences of inviting sin in and how easily it can happen. David was a great sinner, a human like the rest of us, but he truly was a man after God's own heart and deep down under his sinful desires was a man who just wanted to do God's will. He sinned greatly, but he also repented greatly, and God was kind and gracious to him. And if God can forgive David, well then there's hope for us. When we look back at our little schoolhouse from the beginning, the only way for those owners to truly get the old school back to full restoration would be for them to move on to the property, for them to fully occupies and to be fully present. So how do we occupy our house with what's good? Well, I believe that there's four key ways that may be able to help us. Number one, repent and ask God to forgive you. All he wants is for us to come to him and say sorry. Number two, spend time in his presence. You see, like that schoolhouse, it's not just a one-time cleanup, hoping that the weeds and decay and the dirt won't come back in again. Same for us. We can't just clean up our act once and leave it there. We can't just meet Jesus once and leave it there. Think of a, think of a best friend or a, a partner. Once you were strangers who maybe through circumstances happen to meet and, and connect with each other. But through time, shared experiences, ups and downs, you now know their character, you know their hopes and their dreams. And that's exactly how we build our relationship with God. Spending time in His presence, sharing our life with Him. Both the ups and the downs. He wants a deep and personal relationship with us. Number three, spend time in his word. The word says, give us this day our daily bread. And this is literally our daily maintenance, our daily tune-up to life. The word is there to teach us and to strengthen us and to mature us. But it's also there to teach us about the character of God that we get to know Him. And finally, number four, be filled with His Holy Spirit. Invite Jesus into your house. Not only into the rooms you feel you can let Him into, you know, the clean and tidy ones that we keep keep on that side of the house, but actually He wants to be in the junk rooms, in the rooms that are dark and scary, and in the room that you never open. He wants to come in and fully occupy us. And being filled with the Spirit is a continual process from the day we get saved. We need to keep asking Him and inviting Him in. John, can I please ask you to come up on keys? And ultimately, this parable, it presses the urgency for us to recognize that we may have some things in our heart that don't belong there. The urgency to repent of these things, for God to clean out the junk, and for Him to completely occupy us with His Holy Spirit. Imagine being able to live free of the things that weigh you down. Free of the things of your past and free of the things that bind you. Jesus says, John 8 verse 36, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I would love for us to take a moment to digest what this could mean for us. A moment to take the courage to respond to him. I believe that there could be two groups of people here today. The first I believe this for is maybe for people like me, you love the Lord but through circumstances you've invited or allowed some things to come in to your heart. Maybe you didn't even notice, maybe you weren't even watching, but you know, God wants us to just repent and hand this over to him. Struggles, the ugly, the unmentionables, he wants it all. He sees you. He knows you. He knows what's going on. At the end of the service, we're going to make time for some ministry and we would love for you to come up. We'd love to pray for you, to encourage you, and just to walk with you through this season. The second group I believe this message is for is for those who have not Yet met Jesus. Perhaps the story of the empty house resonates with you. You see, there's a hole in our lives that can only be filled with Jesus. Nothing else will satisfy. Jesus not only cleans out the junk, but he wipes our slate clean. And he brings victory and a hope to our lives. I don't want to miss this moment if there is, so could I please ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if the urgency of this message has your heart beating and you know you want to give your heart to Jesus or recommit your heart to Jesus for a real and deep relationship with Him, God loves a response. And so just as everyone has bowed heads, can I ask if that is you to quickly just pop up your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Pop your hands down. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to give a few more moments. God loves, oh, he just loves it when we turn our hearts towards him and invite him in. If that was you today, can I ask if you would repeat these words after me, either aloud or in your own heart. Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I know that I have sinned. I believe you died for me and were resurrected to life again. I ask that you come into my life as Lord and Savior. Amen. And if that was you today, all of heaven is celebrating with you right now. Can I encourage you that you tell someone of your decision or come up now and we would love to pray for you. I'm just going to close in prayer and then if that was anybody today who would love to come to the front, we've got a team just waiting to pray for you, would be a huge privilege. So Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for Jesus making a way to you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. And thank you for freedom. Amen.